Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome once again to the Sunday edition of Manna for Breakfast. And we are celebrating Father's Day on this day. And because of that, I thought we'd look up a little history on Father's Day. It turns out Father's Day was something that was Christian-based, and it was brought to the country of the United States anyway. In 1910, Spokane, Washington, although two years earlier, it was something of the brainchild of Sonora Louise Smart. She envisioned a day to have a special religious service involving small gifts, as well as loving greetings from children to their fathers. She brought the matter to her pastor. Her pastor thought it was a good idea. And she even got the support of the famed politician William Jennings Bryan. And he made a proclamation that the first day, oh, here it says the first day was slow to catch on. The idea of honoring fathers with a special day was actually reinvented independently in several other places. Curiously, circumstances led other founders to select the month of June. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson had endorsed the idea, and in 1924, Calvin Coolidge recommended national observance of the day to impress upon fathers the full measure of their obligation and strengthen intimate ties between fathers and children. Despite these presidential pronouncements, it was 1966 before President Johnson established the third Sunday in June as the date of the celebration. Even so, this uh, it was not made official until 1972 under President Nixon. The ideas of fatherhood are strong in the Bible. Unlike the gods of the other religions, the Christian God is portrayed as a loving father. Christ described God as his own intimate father and claimed to show in himself what the father was like. God gave his beloved son for the salvation of the world. Consequently, wherever the Christian ideal has prospered, fatherhood has taken on deeper and more lyrical meanings. The tender appeals of the apostles John and Paul to their children helped foster this attitude. Interesting. Hmm. And there's all these scripture verses, Ephesians 4, 6, Proverbs 3, uh, 11 through 12, Proverbs 20, verse 7, Psalm 127 through through 5. Uh, hmm. All about children be a blessing to fathers. And it goes on, um, on and on. There's a lot of information here. So there you go. Who knew? Well, we kind of knew. Go figure. And it is true. Wherever Christianity has flourished, there is the strong family unit and a father who loves God and his children love him. Up to 90-ish percent, I think it was anywhere from 89 to 93% of kids will follow the world vision or the worldview of their father, not their mother. In other words, if the father is a strong believer and loves God with his whole heart, it's like over 90% of the time the kids will too. It's amazing the influence the father has over the family. So it is important for fathers to be serious about their walk with the Lord and not think it's something for just the women and kids as they do here in Mexico so often. 
Well, we will pray and get into the word today. We're in Proverbs 22, 23, and 24, and moving on in, um, in the book of Acts chapter 4. So, Father, thank you for this morning, and we ask that you guide us this day and ask you help us to just use this day to worship and to praise you and give you all the glory, God, and, and thank you for fathers around the world, and thank you for those fathers especially that are good fathers and that love their children and are trying their best to help their kids grow up to love you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. The reward of humility and the fear of God are riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor. The borrower becomes the lender's slave. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his fury will perish. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Drive out the scoffer, and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the treacherous man. The sluggard says there is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is cursed of the Lord will fall into it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to make more for himself or who gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you that they may be ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may correctly answer him who sent you? Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their case and take the life of those who rob them. Do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from under you? Do not remove the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Chapter 23 When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are a man of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food. Do not weary yourself to gain 
wealth cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle and flies towards the heavens. Do not eat the bread of the selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Do not move the ancient boundary or go in to the field of the fatherless, for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Apply your heart to discipline and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You will strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad, and my inmost being will rejoice. When your lips speak what is right, do not let your heart envy sinners and live with the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise. And direct your heart in the way. Do not be heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad, and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways, for a harlot is a deep pit, and an adulterous woman is a narrow well. Surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine. Those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup. When it goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things and you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea. Or like one who lies down on top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. Chapter 24. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. 
The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Deliver those who are being taken away to death, and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the heart, and does he not know it who keeps the soul, and will he not render to man according to his work? My son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place. For the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see it and be displeased, and turn his anger away from him. Do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who are given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin that comes from both of them? These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, people will curse him. Nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips who gives a right answer. Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterward, then build your house. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say thus, I shall do to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected on it, and I looked, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will come as a robber, and your want like an armed man. Wow. So many good saying there, so many good things to look at. Uh, just remember, since we're celebrating Father's Day, this is a father, King Solomon, speaking to his sons, whoever would listen, the sons of his kingdom, of course, his sons physically, saying, son, don't go after strong drink. Don't get drunk. Don't go after women. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Seek after God. Seek wisdom. This is a father, his heart pouring out to his children figuratively, literally, wanting them to avoid his mistakes, his pitfalls. And he has wisdom. He knows the value. He has all the money in the world, richest man on the, on the earth at that time, but he still says knowledge and understanding and wisdom are finer, they're better than gold and silver. And then we have, amongst all of this, this issue of discipline for the child. This has to be taken in context because all these proverbs, a father is taking the time to write to a son that he loves. This is not a cruel father. This is a father who loves his children and writes 
a thousand psalms in you know trying to help them lead a life without all of the pitfalls and mistakes and suffering that so many people go through doing everything to help them but he does say don't spare the rod but it has to be applied with love and it's done when they're very young and we know this is not talking about beating this is talking about discipline and there's a difference discipline is when you want to help the child learn beating is when you're taking out your frustration and anger there's there's a huge difference the discipline is, is when you have to spank the little one and you don't want to but you say i know it's what they need and i know there's a lot of pushback on this these days but i'm just telling you what the bible says we have to decide whether we're going to believe what the bible says or not and most of the time the sound of the little swat is just enough to get their attention <laughs> When my kids were little, it wasn't the pain factor. It was the noise factor that got their attention, usually. So let's move on now. We are looking at uh, John. What did I say, John? Acts. Let's, we're already in Acts. Acts chapter 4. 1 through, I believe, 22. Yeah. Peter and John arrested. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of them came to be about 5,000 on the next day. Their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John, Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center and began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so it will not be spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking 
about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. 5,000 people come to know the Lord, and what are these priests and these rulers of Israel concerned about? Power. You would think, if they were true Israelites, concerned for the, for the people that they were leading, they would say, you guys have the power to heal like that? Wait here, we're going to line up the sick. Even if they would... Even if they took a fleshly view of the whole thing, can you imagine if you healed all the sick and lame and blind, all the taxes you could get out of them and take them off the social welfare system, <laughs> whatever? I mean, just if they could just see that, get out of their mind for a second of their own um, quest and thirst for power and control, they could see that what these two men had to offer their nation, Israel, was astounding. Now, now that's on the practical. On the spiritual, they should have immediately recognized that Jesus had been sent from God. They should have immediately understood the prophecy of Daniel about the one who would come would be cut off, and then it would be starting the 70th week. They could have understood uh, Ezekiel and Joel and so many, what Peter was speaking about, and with the tongues of fire, it should have instantly been clear to them. But why? They blinded themselves with greed and power and a desire to live under a legal system rather than a love relation. They had lost their first love if they ever even had it and were living just in a legal code. And it was so sad. And here's Peter and John that loved Jesus immensely, and they were threatened by it. Well, let's move over to Charles Spurgeon now. The 18th today, Charles Spurgeon. Isaiah 33.10, Now I will rise, saith the Lord. Now I will be exalted. Now I will lift up myself. Wow, that's a good one. When the spoilers had made the land as waste, as if devoured by locusts, and the warriors who had defended the country sat down and wept like women. Then the Lord came to rescue. When the travelers ceased from the roads of Zion, and Bashan and Carmel were as vineyards from which the fruit had failed, then the Lord arose. God exalted in the midst of the afflicted people, for they seek his face and trust him. He is still more exalted when in answer to their cries, he lifts up himself to deliver them and overthrow their enemies. Is it a day of sorrow with us? Let us expect to see the Lord glorified in our deliverance. Are we drawn out in fervent prayer? Do we cry day and night unto him? Then the set time for his grace is near. God will lift up himself at the right season he will arise when it will be most for the display of his glory. We wish for his glory more than we long for our own deliverance. Let the Lord be exalted and our chief desire be obtained.
Lord, help us in such a way that we may see that thou thyself art working. May we magnify thee in our inmost souls. Make all around us to see how good and great a God thou art. And that is certainly the right kind of prayer, certainly the right kind of attitude, and certainly the hope that we have that he will rise up, that he will help, he will be glorified. And we just pray that season is coming to a close and that he will rise up now and come back for us. Thank you, Father, for this morning and thank you for your church and thank you for the establishment and the amazing story of Peter being so bold to proclaim your name and seeing 3,000 one day and 5,000 another day and seeing God people all over the place glorifying you because they could finally, finally put it all together by faith, not by sight. It's so amazing that they didn't figure it all out till after they couldn't see you. Then they realized that you were working through these men, that your spirit was alive. And then they realized the power of your spirit and that you could be available to them at the every waking moment, that they could be conscious and even, even guard them in the night. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that the church was established and now it has been brought forward into our time. We thank you, God, that men who trusted fully in you and loved you with all their heart brought that knowledge to their families and children were born and carried it forward, Father. So we thank you for Father's Day in the sense that it's our Christian heritage coming directly from our Heavenly Father through the lives and the obedient ministries of those men who carried it forward. And of course, our Savior was born through a woman. And so it was, it's, it's, uh, it's blessed, Father. The marriages that we have as, as Christians are just something that are, are amazing. We as, we as couples raise up our children we, and ask that you would give us that strength, God, to continue every single day no matter whether our kids are old or young, and no matter we have grandkids or not, just continue to help us be that witness, that strong example of the confidence we have in you as being the one who has risen up and will yet again rise. So thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful, beautiful day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you, guys. We will pick this up tomorrow. At the same time, make sure you subscribe to the audio podcast if you haven't already done so. And check us live at Facebook, YouTube, almost anywhere, even on our webpage if it's working right at calvarypv.com or Calvary Puerto Vallarta. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.